Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. So posture of worship is what I want to talk about today. When I, when I was growing up, my, my dad had this habit at the dinner table where he would say to us, we'd all gather, and you've got to appreciate, I'm one of six children. So there was eight of us in our family. And when it came to mealtimes, it was quite a, a military exercise. We'd all turn up at the dinner table, and my dad would always say to us, shoulders back, don't slouch, elbows, I can see you all doing it as I'm saying it, <laughs> elbows off the table. Anyone remember those kind of moments? Sit up, don't slouch, elbows off the table. This kind of like... And I remember thinking as a child, why? Why does it matter how I sit? Why does my posture matter? And reflecting back, I don't think my dad really cared two hoots about my back or my, my, the future efforts that my posture might affect my, my long-term health. Posture is all about expressing outwardly what is going on inside And he knew that my mum had spent hours making a vat of food for eight hungry people that would disappear in seconds the moment it was put along our plates. And he knew there's nothing worse if you're the chef and you walk into a room with the food you spent hours preparing and people are like, whatever. Really? Is that all you could come up with? He knew that if we sat up, if we were prepared and we were expectant and we were looking forward to what was to come, then my mum would like, ah, that was worth the effort. That was worth the energy I put into making that for my family. Our posture reflects externally what's going on inside. The Bible is full of expressions of posture in our worship. David, who wrote the Psalms, the book right bang in the middle of your Bibles, he, um, he wrote these words that were just his songs. Before he was a king of Israel, he was a shepherd boy that wrote songs. He would sit in the hillside and he would write songs out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe he was like Jim, I don't know. He just enjoyed plucking on his guitar. And I had a psalm I wanted to read this morning. It was actually exactly the same psalm as Joe read first thing this morning. That was lucky, wasn't it? That was a joke. Before some people start writing me emails on Monday morning. Okay, Psalm 63. I want to read to you Psalm 63 because this is a great psalm. There's 150 psalms that Joe could have chosen. She chose the same one I'd already prepared. She obviously read my notes or just spoke to the same person who wrote my notes for me. Okay, Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary. And gaze upon your power and glory. Your unfading love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. I'm lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Loads of examples of posture. I don't want to say the word posture, whether you think that's quite an unusual word to use. On a Sunday, we talk about worship, really posture. Maybe you'll think of those bad posture examples where you, you know, who puts their phone in between their shoulder and their ear when they're trying to do two things at once. You know, you end up after a long phone call, your neck sort of hurts a little bit. 
bad posture. Or maybe that thing where you kind of you sleep awkwardly the next morning and it feels a bit uncomfortable because you've slept in a bad posture. I remember when I was at school, the teacher would always tell us off for putting bags on one shoulder. We used, to have, we used to always have rucksacks, but it was cool to have the rucksack on one shoulder. Or when you lift heavy items, you meant to bend your knees with a straight back, because that's good posture. Have you heard all these sort of things before? And how do you, do you have good habits, bad habits when it comes to posture? What kind of things do you do? You might be thinking right now, what has posture got to do with worship? What has my external physical expression got to do with worship? The dictionary says this about posture. It says, number one, the position of the limbs or the carriage of the body as a whole. It's a physical thing. The position of the limbs or the carriage of the body. Number two, it's a mental or spiritual attitude. Posture is both a physical thing and a mental or spiritual thing, both going on at the same time. You know, we read that psalm, Psalm 63 by David, and David often would use very descriptive language to describe not just his feelings, but also his physical activity at the same time. If we read through Psalm 63 again, let me just point a few things out. I've underlined them on the screen for you here. It says, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body Longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gaze upon your power and glory. Your unfading love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Physical posture. You satisfy me. More than the richest feast, I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake. I think of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling. I love that verse. I cling to you. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me. That posture that David uses, that expression, both his, his feelings as well as his physical activity, posture is intentional. Your posture gets you ready for what you're about to experience. It's a natural thing. You do it all the time. When you were a child and you were called to the head teacher's office because you were in trouble, you had a certain posture. Head down. Yeah? When you've just won an award... Fantastic, can't wait. Your posture has an implication of what's going on inside. If you're fearful about something or someone attacks you, there's that posture of defense, of fear, of concern. And we also have posture in our worship time. I don't know if you ever do this. I mean, obviously, it's highly illegal to do in churches, but have you ever looked around before? Have you ever looked at other people as they worship God? Have you ever watched other people's habits of worship? I think I've said this before, but I find it fascinating. There's a, there's a comedian on YouTube called Tim Hawkins who, who's in a whole funny piece about worship preferences. And he talks about the way people worship God. Some people, they, like, they hold the TV. Just holding the TV. Holding the TV. Maybe you've got quite a big screen TV. Maybe a small screen. Hold the TV. That's, maybe that's your worship style. Maybe some of you are fishermen and you like them much more. It was that, that big. It was that big. Maybe that's your style. You prefer, maybe you're nudging each other, going, yeah, I know, that's you, the fishing style. Maybe that's you. 
maybe this is my favourite one. Maybe you're the, um, I've got a really sick hamster. <laughs> really, really sick hamster. Maybe just hands together, little, little wince. Oh, God, sick hamster. Maybe that's you. Maybe you prefer the light bulbs. You're the light bulb changing kind of person. Yeah, we light bulbs. Woo! Or if you're really cool, the cool kids do this one, okay? I've looked around, I've seen all the cool kids. Put one hand in one pocket and you high five Jesus. High five. High five. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, you got that one? See, next time you're doing worship, you're going to be looking around going, who's doing the hamster? Who's high fiving? Everyone's got their own little habits of things you do. Everyone has maybe my, my ultimate favorite is probably this one is the, um, I can't call it the, the Lion King one, where you take baby Mufasa and you lift. The circle of life. You have that little moment of just lifting. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you have that little moment. You remember the song by Elton John. You're there. You're in the moment. You're lifting. Maybe you're not. We do all kinds of things in our worship. It's really strange what we do, but our posture is an outward expression of what's going on inside. Sometimes we can't help ourselves. We don't even realize we're doing it. And I want to spend a few, week, a few moments uh, this week talking about how we posture ourselves in our worship, how we position ourselves in worship how we recognize the position we're coming from, what God has done for us, and then how we physically prepare ourselves and our physical presentation to God as part of that. Last week, Fergus spent a long time talking about um, a great depth about the whole purpose and why we worship. If you get a chance, go listen to the podcast. There's some great material there. He gave us six things. I won't go through all of them, but they're on the screen here. He, he made us. To worship. God has made us. We were the purpose. We were created to worship God. It pleases God. We were made for his pleasure. When we worship him, he is pleased with what we do. Number three, it changes our perspective. God doesn't change, but we do. When we worship God, it affects who we are. Number four, it prepares us. He prepares to receive something from God, which I want to talk about more today. Number five, it ushers in the presence of God. God is always with us. God is always there. But there's something about worship. That when we lift up the name of Jesus, he is more tangible. He feels more present, more connected. And lastly, Hannah's going to cover this next week in greater detail. But when we worship, God's power is released. When we sing songs to God, when we do worshipful activities, which can be a range of things, something shifts and power of God comes into place. So the first thing is, what is this position we worship from or the, or the posture we worship from? If we turn in our Bibles to Hebrews 10, and Hebrews 10, we've got here, Hebrews 10, verse 19. And just for those who don't know your Bibles maybe that well, this book here, Hebrews, is written, most people think, by a guy called Paul. And here he's particularly writing to the Jewish people, the Jewish believers, those who are becoming Christians, but have come from a Jewish background. And he's talking to them and he's saying this about how they should worship God. He says this, verse 19 in, in chapter 10 of Hebrews, and so dear brothers, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Fully trusting him. Let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we have firm that God can be trusted to keep his promise. Hebrews 10. 
Now, the understanding here is that for those people who are reading this book that was written by Paul, they would get this. For us, maybe it sounds a little bit odd. What is of blood getting sprinkled and curtains being opened and high priests and holy places? You know, this, this idea was that the original temple, which was built by a guy called King Solomon, the son of David, who wrote the psalm we read earlier, he built this temple. And the temple of the Jewish nation was this, was a place that had segregated sections. Everyone was allowed on the outskirts of the temple. But only men, Jewish men, able-bodied Jewish men, were allowed on the inside of the sanctuary of the temple. You could all come on the outer courts, but only Jewish able-bodied men were allowed on the inner courts. But the sanctuary, the holy place that, that is being talked about there, the holy place, that was for special Jewish able-bodied men. That was for people who were clever. These were the priests. These are the ones who were the most learned people in that community. They were the ones that had been chosen to have a rabbi and to learn the original five books of the Bible, the Torah, and they would become teachers themselves, the high priests. They were the select few. And those select few would spend a year preparing themselves to go into the Holy of Holies, the holy place. And when Solomon built this temple, he built the outer courts, he built the sanctuary, and there was a massive curtain that separated where the people or the Jewish able-bodied men would gather and where the Most High, the priest, would go into this place. And he was behind this really thick, high curtain from top to bottom. It was this huge curtain that separated the holy place. And in the holy place were the was a tabernacle which housed the, the stones of, of the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses. And it was a really special place, this ornate, gold, beautiful space. And in the outer courts, you would come with your sacrifice. You would come, uh, you'd come with your lamb that would be sacrificed. And you would bring it to one of the priests. And you'd lay your head, your head, you'd lay your hand on the head of the lamb. And the priest would lay his hand on the head of the lamb. And you'd pray that all the stuff you'd done wrong, all the mistakes you'd made would be transferred. And then the priest, it was a grim job. I'm glad I wasn't a priest back then. They would take the animal, they'd put it onto this altar and they would kill the animal. And they would take the blood and they would splash the blood all around the outside of the altar. And they'd be saying, you know, your, your mistakes have been transferred to this animal. And that animal has now taken your place. And then what they will do is they'll ask the high priest to go into the holiest place that no one else is allowed to go apart from that special person. And they, they will speak to God on your behalf. Because you're not good enough. The animal takes your place. The high priest passes on the message to God. That was the way it was done. That was the explanation. That's what Jewish people were used to. That was a normal way of your Sunday service. You take your, your lamb to church with you and you come back with lamb chops. That's how it worked every single week or whenever you came along. But the high priest was a special person. And what Paul was saying here in Hebrews 10, he's saying, you know what? When Jesus died on the cross for you, when that Good Friday moment Jesus died and the, the sky goes black at three o'clock in the afternoon, what happened? The temple curtain tore from the top to the bottom. It ripped open. It stopped the separation between the special sanctuary and, and the people. It stopped this kind of system of segregation, saying actually everyone is welcome. Everyone can participate. And so what's being said here, when we read these words, it makes more sense now. It's actually saying, you know, we worship God through a position of access. 
access all areas. You can go to the king of kings. You don't need someone else. The ultimate sacrifice was Jesus Christ himself. He was the lamb of God, the lamb that was slain. When they talk about the blood being splashed, it was Jesus' blood that took our place. And that was the ultimate, the final sacrifice. And suddenly what, what the writer here is saying in Hebrew is saying, you can come in. You can come into the holiest of place. When you worship God, you can come in with confidence. Not being a sinner, but being a saint. Being clean. Being worthy. Being a priest. There is no segregation. You don't have to be clever to be a follower of Christ. You just have to be willing to say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There isn't a hierarchical understanding of who gets in and who doesn't. We're free. The Bible says that we are righteous, is we've been made right. That God doesn't see us with the mistakes we've made. He sees us as pure, as white, as righteous, as worthy. We can come to the throne of God as a son or a daughter. We don't have to build up to it. We don't have to feel terrible. We don't have to come with the posture of, I've just messed up. God, I've ruined my life. I've made so many mistakes. Don't worry, pray for this animal here and we'll pass it along the chain. We can walk boldly into the presence of God. We can walk boldly. You know, some of us, we, we're comfortable with that. Some of us, you, you, you love the idea of when it comes to worship time, you'll bounce around with the rest of them. You'll be energetic. You'll be those, you know, David himself, King David in 2 Samuel, he, he danced with his wife was like, his wife wasn't too impressed. He was there in his undergarments and he danced with the Lord. And his wife was like, really? It's a bit embarrassing. And he said, I'll, I'll get even more undignified than this just to worship God. He's worthy of my dance, of my crazy, energetic worship. Other people, Psalm 96, so calm, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before God, our maker. Some want to just kneel quietly and express their love for God that way. I love this in Psalm 95. Some want to sing and make a joyful noise. A joyful noise basically means you can't say, I can't sing. All right, as long as you can make a joyful noise, you're allowed to worship God. And then others, Psalm 27, just want to enjoy the presence of God and gaze upon his beauty. Whatever your preferred style of worship, it's all okay. In Hebrews 10, it's going, it's all okay. You can come in. Everyone's welcome. The, the, the temple curtains being torn open. The Holy of Holies is accessible to all. It's okay. I have four children. I've learned they're all different. It's okay. To be honest with you, I thought they'd all be the same. It was a little bit confusing when I had number two came along, and I'm like, well, you'll be just the same as the first one. And they really weren't. And we could tell you lots of stories about how that didn't really work out the same way. And now I've got four, and they're all different. I've had to learn when we do breakfast as a family, I have to treat them all very differently. Some want to emerge very slowly while they study the internal contents of their bowl of cereal. Others bounce down the stairs and want to download to you their dreams of last night. It's all okay. I don't go say, well, could you all be more like this one? I say, no, I want to receive you as your father the way that you are. God's the same. God doesn't go, well, you know, I prefer the dancing sort of person. I prefer the quiet, kneeling down type of person. I prefer the ones with their eyes closed. Could you close your eyes? He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. with However you want to do this, I'm okay with it. We worship differently. And in Hebrews 20, 10, 22, and 23, it says there, 
Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope. You see, we can go into the presence of God, not nervously, but boldly. Our posture is not one of, I don't think I've done a very good job. He's like, I'm going to go see my dad today, and I can't wait. It's exciting. I'm looking forward. I am bold. I am confident. We can go straight in. You know, this idea of building ourselves up ready for a worship time. What a strange concept that is. Why do we have to wait till the third song for now I'm ready? Really? Imagine if my kids did that to me. That my kids have got no trouble disturbing me. I mean, seriously, I'm going to say a little message for all my kids who are listening right now. You've got no trouble disturbing me. I can be on the phone. I can be driving. I can be trying to prepare this talk. And my kids will walk in and they will say, Dad, I know you're busy, but... They've got no problem because I'm their dad. They don't go, right, I better warm myself up for this one. I'll talk to mum first. I'll see if it's okay. I'll, I'll have a few more conversations. I'll get myself ready. I'll scratch at the door a little bit. They just kind of walk boldly in. Go, Dad, I'm your, I'm your kid. I'm here. I want to talk to you. And you know, the worst thing you can do as a parent, you go, yeah, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, well, thanks, Dad, but I really need to speak to you right now. God's the God who goes, I've always got time. Come boldly in. Go straight in. Don't build up for that big moment. Just go, you know what? I'm here in God's presence. Come as you are. Come as you are. Come ready to worship God. You know, I believe our physical action, our posture, how we hold ourselves in our worship and our understanding of that position we come from gives God an invitation that says, I'm ready. So I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready for you to speak to us. John Piper says this, said, worship is an inward feeling and an outward action that reflects the worth of God. That's what's going on. Our internal feeling is being expressed outwardly. And when we come into a worship time and our hands are in our pockets or our arms are crossed or we're just angry with somebody as we walked in the door, God's like, I really, I really want to connect with you. Could you get yourself ready for what I want to say? Are you ready to receive something? I'll tell you something that I don't think I've ever told anyone before, but I do this weird thing in worship. I often sit on the front here. Some of you think I do it because I'm the church leader. I actually do it because I like a bit of space in my worship time. I don't know if you like a bit of space. It's a bit awkward when you're a bit crowded into a kind of rows of people. I like a bit of space. And I do this thing when I worship. I, I, it sounds a bit silly saying it now, but I'll be really honest with you. I, I step forward. I step in to worshiping God. I make a deliberate physical choice. I'm choosing to worship you, God. And I come along on a Sunday. It's not that I don't like my children or family that I'm with. I choose to step forward and go, I want to worship you. And I want to be deliberate about that. I want my posture to say, God, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to give my all to this. Because I know that I could just sit there and I could just, you know, I could just ignore and just sing the songs and la, la, la and the rest. But I'm going to go, right, God, I'm going to choose to put myself in a position of worshipping you. I'm choosing a posture that says, I'm, 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 I'm deliberate. I'm ready for this. I'm intentional about my worship. I don't know what you prefer to do, whether the Bible has loads of different examples, you know, raising your hands, kneeling, lying prostrate, your hands are open, prepared, eyes closed. I believe engaging in things like social justice is a way of worshipping. I think you know, we can engage with the needs of our world and God wants to bless that activity. Our worship doesn't just happen on a box on a Sunday morning, it happens wherever we go. 
Maybe you enjoy going for a walk, and the idea of walking around God's creation is a way of expressing worship to God and thanking him for every time you hear the animals and you see the glorious creation. You go, God, you're amazing. That's good. That's a wonderful thing. We all do this without even realizing it. We worship something. Last week I wrote a blog for the church website, and I have a look at that if you want to, called We All Worship Something. We all do something You were at a Rolling Stones concert. I know some of you were. You've been and you've worshipped at the throne of the Rolling Stones. Maybe that's where you've been enjoying a bit of that. Or maybe you watched Saints scrape through to stay into the premiership for another year. And your posture was like one of relief at the end of that. I don't know what it is you're involved in. We all worship something. A minister by the name of David Allen said this. A posture of praise is critical to the Christian life. Because worship teaches us where we stand and who is in control. When we worship, we are forced to admit something we don't normally like to admit, that we are not our own masters, but instead we are servants of the one true master. Master. Our posture says, God, you're in charge, and I follow you. Worship connects us with our source, God himself. It connects us to our source. It empowers us for that which is ahead, but also realigns us for what is really important. Worship re-centers us. It re-centers us. Jonathan Helser, who wrote the song, No Longer a Slave, he said this, When we sing who he is, we remember who we are. Let's get the worship team up, shall we? When we sing who he is, we remember who we are. Worshiping God for me is, is four, four areas. It's a thanksgiving. We come into our time of worship, we thank God. We say thank you to God for who you are. Maybe that's, you know, we use our hands, we thank you God, you're amazing. But we also say, God, we want to declare who you are. We make statements about who God is. We also want to receive from God. And lastly, I believe that when we worship, we become something. It changes us. Our worship should be thanksgiving, declaration, receiving, and changing. If we don't change through our worship of God, then I would argue we're not worshiping, we're just singing songs. Our worship should change us. Um. I want to do one last thing before we finish up. I need a volunteer. In fact, I'm going to ask my son, Zach, come and help me. Okay, so come and join me, Zach. So one of the first things I ever did as a dad, you can stand over that side over there, was I taught my son to catch. All right. So if you've ever had children, you'll know how this works. You teach your child to catch. Imagine my 19-year-old son as a year and a half old son if you can it's a bit difficult to imagine isn't it but we would do this thing and we would catch and I would say Zach get your hands like this and he would get his hands ready and I would wait until he was ready and then I would throw carefully I'd throw the ball and he would catch it and he'd be so excited believe it or not Zach you were so excited that you'd catch the ball we won't reenact it it's okay What kind of dad would say to his son, look over there and then throw the ball at his face as hard as you can? What kind of dad would do that? This this kind of dad, yeah. That does happen sometimes. 
fortunately God is a perfect father. I'm still learning. But I would never have said to him, get your hands ready. I'm about to throw something and then never throw anything. Or throw it in the wrong direction. I would say, get yourself ready. Get yourself in the posture. You're going to receive. And that's why we teach you to put your hands in front of your body. Exactly. Posture. But I believe that when we worship... You can sit down now, Zach. I'll stop embarrassing you. When we worship God, our posture is that we're ready to receive something from God. See, here's the thing. When, when I, I was a child and I sat around that table with my parents and I, I sat up and I shoulders back, elbows off the table and I looked ready for the foods, my mum would bring in this vat of food and it really was a vat. There was a lot of us, we loved our food. She'd bring in the food and do you know what went on in my mum's head? They're expectant. They're looking forward to what I've prepared I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do this tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow I'm going to make more of it because they enjoy it so much. I'm going to make something even better. And my mum would often say, you know what, I know that you love. And she would reel off certain things she knew we would love to eat. And she would make us food we enjoyed. What kind of parent wouldn't do that? But because we were ready and we were expectant. And I want to say to us this morning as we finish off our time, I want to say, are you ready this morning for what God's got for you is anyone in a posture Mark is God bless you Mark that's for David cheap balls there we go wonderful are you ready to catch what God's got for you because some of you have been coming to church expecting nothing and shocked when nothing happens but God's saying who's ready who's ready you're going for a one-handed approach there. I think that's a bit casual there. Come on. Wow. <laughs> He's obviously used to catching. Are you ready for what God's got for you? We could take a long time here. I've got plenty of balls here. God is ready. He will move towards you. Wonderful. There we go. There we go. Look at that. There we go, Mr. Price, your cricket man. You're rubbish. You can play for the cricket team, England. <laughs> Wonderful. There you go, Mark. There's one right in your hands there. You know, God wants to meet you exactly where you're at, but he wants to say, are you ready? Are you ready for what God's got for you? Are you expectant? When you come into a worship time, do you think this will be for someone else? Someone else is going to benefit this morning, but I'm not ready. Anyone else ready for what God's got for them? Harry, you ready? Wonderful. Anyone else ready? There's a few ready at the back there. Sorry, that's my bad throw. God's much better at throwing than I am. Anyone else? Pete, you ready? You better get ready. God's got stuff for you. Every single one of you, God is ready. And some of you are going, I'm not special enough. But the message in the Hebrews 10 said, everyone's welcome. It said everyone can access the, the throne of God. It doesn't say only people who are good enough. Are you ready, Phil? Are you really ready? Some of you are... You need to be ready, Adam. Are you ready? Come on. Anyone else ready for God's... I know it's only a plastic ball. You might think this is the most ridiculous service I've ever seen in my life before. But there's something about are you prepared to catch what God's got for you? And if you are, go long, David. Go long. Here we go. Oh, terrible. We'll keep going. It's all right. There we go. One of them. Yeah. Anyone else? Come on, Nick. That one's for you. Oh, there we go. 
It's more about my throwing and the cheap balls I'm going to pull than anything else. Here we go, Sam. Wonderful. Anyone else? Who's ready? Eva, you ready? I've taught you well, son. Wonderful. Anyone else? Alan is ready. No, you're not. Jenny, you've had one. You can't. There we go. Anyone else ready? I've got plenty more here. You can always pass them on to someone else. There we go. Wonderful. I'll try again, Andy. There's more coming. Unfortunately, God doesn't run out of resources. Here we go. We'll keep going. Wonderful. Anyone else? I've got some left here. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Are you ready for what God's got for you? When we worship, it isn't just about singing and declaring, about thanking. It's also saying, Sarah, this one. I'll keep going, Sarah, till we run out. I'll keep going. There we go. You got more, Sarah. You get special treatment. There we go. Zach. There we go. Anyone else? You're really nervous. I'll keep going. We've got time. On the stage. It might be tricky. I can throw him at Jim. It'd be quite amusing. We'll be very helpful. We go, Amy. There we go. Come on in. David. Oh, he's got skills. He's ready. Anyone else ready? I've got a few more left. Wonderful. There we go. There we go. Good catch. Andrew, God bless you. Wonderful. Georgia. There we go. Joe. Anyone else? Everyone looks really embarrassed. Please don't drop it, they're saying. If you're ready, God wants to give to you. That's wonderful, Alan. Pass them around. God bless you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you got your baseball mitt ready, Alice? No? Here we go. Oh, bad throw. My fault. There you go, Gemma. Alice. Oh, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. There we go. Wonderful. Anyone else? You know what I really want to do? I really want to do this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Who's ready? Stand up if you're ready. Come on, let's get ready. Here we go. Come on. Here we go. Woo! <laughs> Whoa! Okay, let's just stand up. Shall we worship God? Let's get ready to receive whatever he's got for us. We're so grateful for the God of provision, the God who gives, the God who provides. Let's be ready with that posture, receive it from God. <laughs> You'll never forget this one. You'll never forget this one. Bless you. about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.